0: So Sam read from the NIV version, and I've put the ESV version up just so that you can see the difference. And the word squall uh, does mean very strong windstorm. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to go, so I don't know, there's so many marks here, I'm not sure. Can I put this one down? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Okay, so just a bit of context. Um, so poor Anne's got to jump around on my slides. Yeah, so I tried to find a picture of the boat of the kind of boat that Jesus and his disciples would have been in. They did find um, the remains of one, and they sort of put this picture together. So, do any of you sail? Have any of you been in boats? Any of you know anything about sailing, Mark? You've been in a boat, (laughs) okay. What kind of boat? Um, So, how big? how, How many meters or feet was it? I don't know. Like from here to there, or. Okay, so that's a similar sort of size then. Um, and that boat would take about 15 people. Um, and obviously there's no to go under. Um, so um, there's no nice little cabin underneath or anything like that to hide from. And the front of the boat is called the bow and the back is the stern. And the back is where Jesus was sleeping. So you can see that slightly covered um, area at the back. And the cushion, um, I don't think it was a silk pillow. Um, It was more like the cushion where they, it was like a leather thing where they would put some of their supplies and and so on. So it wasn't the most comfortable, but he certainly was um, sleeping well in in the back of the boat. Um, And the, the, the Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake in Northern Israel and 13 kilometers by 21 kilometers. So that may not seem that big, But um, I've got into trouble on Midmore Dam before. Um, When the wind comes up and you're in a small boat, it can be really tricky. And even on Durban Harbor, I've had two experiences there, one which I'll share with you just now, where you just can't believe how big the waves can be. And you've got quaysides and the bluff and everything around you. So it's not even like out at sea. But um, so, and the, the geog- geographical kind of makeup of that area apparently makes it quite susceptible to very unpredictable winds and storms so it's just the way the mountains are and the wind goes um, so a lot of the disciples were experienced fishermen so they knew how to sail they knew how to put that thing up and go and there were oars that they could row with um, so they they were used to storms but this one was extreme okay um, And Jesus had been preaching from this boat during the day. Um, Remember, there were lots of people, so he got into the boat and he preached from the uh, boat to the shore, and so he'd been busy the whole day. The parables that we looked at last week were part of that preach, that he was in the boat teaching and preaching to the people about the parables. So it had been a long day already, and then he said, let's go across to the other side and just one other comment is that the details of this passage the specifics the cushion this that the exactly who was here where and whatever most of the people who are uh, theologians and study the bible comment that it all adds up to a real eyewitness account this is not just mythology it's not a kind of tale that someone's told It's someone who was there and saw all these details. So um, it's not the only time it's mentioned. It's also in some of the other gospels and the details are very similar. So it just makes us understand that this was a real situation. It's not just a kind of made up story. It's not a parable. This is not a parable. This is Jesus in action. Okay. So what is a storm? The definition out of a couple of dictionaries is that a storm describes a wide variety of atmospheric disturbances that may include heavy rain, snow, thunder, and violent wind. Cyclones, typhoons, hurricanes, squalls are all examples of those. So this is not just a bit of wind coming up and a few waves. This is like a major storm. It can also refer to a violent disturbance of civil, political, domestic, personal, and even spiritual circumstances. And I think of what's going on in the Middle East at the moment with the people in Palestine and Israel, and certainly meets the criteria of a major personal political storm. It also can be an assault or a capture of a fortified safe place that's usually very secure. And it's now taken over, and it can also just be a major commotion, a rage, and a sort of absolute outburst of imagination, I mean of, of emotion. So some of us, I'm sure, if we've had an extreme situation where we've lost our temper or whatever, the people around us might feel like they've been subjected to a storm, but it also feels like it's a storm within, very uncontrolled and overwhelming. And can we go back to the first slide um, with the title on it, just for a second. That picture I took on Friday evening. Um, and that was Durban, uh, the sky over Durban. So, I mean, it was it's amazing. Again, God coincidences, like I'm preparing for the sermon, and you look out the window, and there's, <laughs> there's this incredible sky. Um, Look, it did storm, um, but it didn't take us back to the floods or anything like that. But it certainly was a reminder of extreme weather. So thank you for that. But just those dark clouds obviously waiting to drop everything. And there was quite a lot of thunder and lightning a bit later. Okay. Right. So now we can go back to the slide that says, look again at the description of the storm in this account. So a great windstorm, a squall arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, Mark, you've been in a boat. Have you ever been in bad weather in a boat? Yeah, in small Okay, and do you mind explaining to us what was, that was like? I'm putting you on the spot. He has no idea that I'm asking him this question. <laughs> Yeah, very small. Was the water coming into the boat? Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, yeah but the waves were big it, it's, it felt, and it was raining, and it was lightning, and it just felt like I couldn't see, yeah, completely out of control. Completely out of control. Um, and, you know, the, the trouble with a boat is that on a boat, nothing is stable. So you you look at the horizon and the horizon is doing this. You look at the top of the mast and the mast is doing this. You look at the side of the boat and that's doing this. But you rely on that boat to keep you afloat. But what if the water's coming into the boat? (laughs) Because that's your only security is that you can keep bobbing on the top of the the water. But if the water's now coming in, your nice little safe space is gonna go glug, glug, glug down and you're gonna land in the water. So the other thing about the Sea of Galilee, it's quite deep. Um, It's 20-odd meters, 26 meters on average, and some of the deepest parts are 40-odd meters. You can't stand. It's not going to (laughs) work. So it's pretty much the same in any large body of water. And, um, you know, you'd have to be really close to the shore to be able to put your foot down. And if we think of that beautiful song we sang, uh, where feet may fail, there's nothing to... To hold on to. There's nothing stable. There's nothing secure. There's nothing that we can say, this is what I'm going to hold on to to be safe. It completely takes away all sense of safety and security. So, um, I was hoping that Dave Pons would be here because I don't know the, for those of you who know him, but he's a wild kite surfer and he loves very big waves and wild wind, but there are even times when that's too much and the, the sail doesn't work and gets blown out or pushed to shore or whatever. So, um, you know, any sort of sea experience can be exhilarating, but there's also the point where there's loss of control Um, My late husband and I used to sail mirror dinghies. Now they're very small, they're little wooden boats and it's sort of probably from here to Mark away. Uh, He had a little beetle car and it used to fit on the top of the beetle car like a little snail shell, (laughs) really funny. (laughs) Um, And I went along because he was keen on sailing, but I like to be stable. And of course, when you're going fast um, and it's exciting, you're usually at an angle. Like, you know, the boat's going like this because the wind's strong and it's cool. But there is a point where the wind is too much. And the one day we bunked out of Varsity and went sailing, parked the boat, so I parked the car, took the boat off. This was at the Bluff Yard Club. My mom's an audience, so <laughs> she's hearing all these stories. Um, and um, we went out and it's got it's got basic sails um, and it's even got a spinnaker, which is or going really fast, but it wasn't up that day. But we hadn't looked at the weather forecast. And everything was fine, and we were sailing along from Bluff Yacht Club back this way, and suddenly everything went quiet, no wind at all. And then the sea kind of turned this greeny, weird, luminous color, like someone had put a light on from underneath, and the wind had changed, and it was a northeasterly buster that came through and now this little mirror dinghy, which is not a very fancy boat. To sail, you've got to tack backwards and forwards and go in a little zigzag to try and use the wind to get forward, but the wind was so strong that we were going backwards and forwards, but going backwards. We weren't going forwards at all. And so we, and the, the wind is now so strong that the boat is almost on its side because when the wind fills the sails, it pushes the boat right over. So we put the sails down and we managed to get to it was part of a shipyard or something with all sort of boulders and stuff in there. So now we're on the shore. So we don't know how to get back because we can't sail in the wind going back. So my husband says, Well, he's gonna go and get help. So now he leaves me in this little boat, and he jumps off over some fences and things and disappears forever. And I'm stuck there waiting. I'm trying to get the water out the little boat and it's still bouncing around and whatever. And then along comes a little rescue vehicle from the Bluff Yacht Club. But there was another boat as well that had got into trouble a bit further on. So now my husband's nowhere in sight. Okay, so now I've got the rope and this little boat's going up and down and the waves are coming in and I'm trying to sort of push this water out. Um, And we're now going along with me and the other boat being towed by this little ski boat. And then the ski boat's motor fails. So now we're going, all of us with the ropes and everything around in a circle and the waves and whatever. So, I mean, I could see the side, but I didn't feel very safe at all because I thought if I land up in the water, I'm not a very strong swimmer, I'm not going to get there. Um, anyway, eventually another boat comes and then rescues all three of us and we get back and my husband's kind of waving from the shore. This <laughs> is <laughs> before I married him, so I still married him after that. Um, <laughs> but it was the sense of helplessness, of there's nothing that you can do, Um, it was really extreme. So I just shared that uh, silly story with you just to explain that it really does make you feel in a panic that you really don't have anything that you can do to help the situation. So, I mean, most of us were here during the flooding, which was another similar situation, and memories of that torrential rain seemed like it would never stop, are still very fresh. And the consequences of that rain were devastating. Callum was very involved in emergency responses um, and information to help those in crisis, so I've just asked him if he would share a little bit about his experience at that time.
1: Um, so uh, what happened is um, it's, it's, it's quite a lot to the story, but just in a nutshell, um, as a team, me and my company and a partner, we, built, we've, we're, we had built quite a few um, GIS systems before, which are like uh, basically interactive maps. And so when it started flooding, we thought, let's try and build a map so that everyone can... Um, log their needs on the map with a GPS coordinate so that we could know where they were and with their contact details so it was like a like a big digital um, panic button and people could say hey like I'm here and I need this and so we've just got a few screenshots of like some of the needs that people had so the text is probably a bit small um, but if you if you typed in Durban crisis map in Google you'd find it Um, So maybe you can just like kind of flick through these, maybe one every five seconds, just to go quite quickly. But here you can see people are needing food. This is a family with a three-year-old son and their house collapsed, so everything was was washed away. The next one, people are needing water. Um, And yeah, I can go to the next one. Um, Shelter, many people had their homes washed away and destroyed um, by mudslides. This person, unfortunately, they were asking for a TLB to look for bodies um, where the MUDs had covered their home during the night, which was really hard to read. Um, Then there was lots of people providing resources, which was amazing. Like we saw clothing, we saw baby formula, we saw squads of drones, we saw handyman services, we saw Jojo tanks and water um so the way the community like rallied and started providing their resources was quite phenomenal and i mean here like this one person was like i've got a shower if you need to come and have some water and take a shower like use my home um which was really encouraging and then some of the blue dots are basically needs that uh, needs that were met i don't think everyone went and um and made their dot go blue, but it was really cool to see like certain individuals were just going around their community and assisting and assisting and assisting and, and logging those assists. Um, and I think um, there was a, a organization from Cape Town called Heal Our Land um, that distributed uh, 600 tons of food to 52,000 people in, in those two weeks. So like seeing South Africans rally, you know, for this um, point in the storm was quite quite amazing but yeah that's just a little story of I think the the seriousness of the floods and I think like a lot of the time we're we're a bit far removed from some of the areas which really got hit Um, but if you ever want to go and have a look at this map and just see some of the needs that people are asking for um, it's very sobering.
0: Thanks Callum and um, I think a lot of us have got our own personal stories of that time um, but just the magnitude of of the crisis. Um, so um, I'd like you, before the next slide, just like you to think of two words that would describe, I've used a few already, but just two descriptive words to explain what it must be like to go through that kind of storm event. So it could be a, a personal crisis, it could be a big flood like this, it could be a war, it could be some problem in, in your, your own family so you could just think of two words and if you could just tell the words to your neighbor I know some of you don't always like doing this even if it's one word just share it with the person nearest you okay. sorry Carl you've been stuck in the front row just just say the words just the first thing that comes to your mind Any emotions that would be evoked in that time? Anything, the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, so the next slide, um, I checked out some words. So let's just have a look at these. And if you came up with one that's not here, can you please just share it with us? Unpredictable, unstable, extreme, violent, radical, Motion, uncertainty, confusion, scary, crisis, helpless, turmoil, commotion, hectic, rough, fierce, tumultuous, turbulent, overwhelming, raging, beating, swamped, dangerous, terrifying, swirling, ominous, ferocious, savage, wild, menacing, fury, forceful, flooding, roaring, anything else? And if you come up with another one, Kerry? <laughs> You're teasing <laughs> <No>, her. <she> As <laughs> she did. Yeah, Unstable, to destabilize. Unstable you know, to destabilize. Good. Okay. Anyone else have other interesting ones? Freaked out. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. in- traumatic. Good. The two of you in the front here, did you come up with a different one? Helpless. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's one of the ones that Mark mentioned right in the beginning, feeling very, very helpless. Okay, so this is all sounding rather depressing at the moment, (laughs) but this passage also reminds us that even when we obey Jesus and follow him, we may experience storms. Some people in the prosperity gospel say, well, if you pray well enough or you do this or whatever, your life's going to be plain sailing. But the Bible says, no, it's not. And um, uh, if you think of Matthew, um, when Jesus is asked, um, what will be the signs of your coming at the end of the age? And some of Jesus' answer is things like, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So there's tough times for all of us. And I'd like you to think now of a time when you experienced either a real storm or a situation in your life that evoked some of these words and emotions. It may be something in the past, or it may be something that you're going through right now. And I'd like you to take a minute to think about it. If you have a notebook or you're working on your phone, or just take a mental note, I'd like you to really think, what have you experienced that has made you feel some, or if not all, of those words. You don't have to share this one, just please note it to yourself. Now, in that situation, and I mean, maybe it's a mild storm compared to some of this intensity but it still meets the criteria and when you think about that situation I want to ask you a question what did you put your faith in what were you looking to to save you from that situation were you hoping for someone to change and improve or get better or do something different were you hoping for circumstances to change Did you want to rely on your own ability to be in control? That's what Callum mentioned earlier. That's what he likes to do is take control of the situation and help you to come up with a different outcome. Did you hope to win the lotto to sort out the problem? Did you just avoid it and hope it would go away? What did you hope would sort it out? I wish I could see your little speech bubbles with your thoughts. (laughs) So I'd like you to just note that answer. Right. Let's go back to our scripture. What did the disciples do? They woke Jesus up in their panic and immediately threw an accusation at him. They woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They didn't say, oh, please help us, or whatever. they just like, hey, what's the matter with you? Don't you think we're in trouble here? Don't you care? Um, and I mean, how often do we only call on God in a crisis when someone is about to die or there's a drama? Suddenly people are very prayerful. Um, and how often do we get angry with him? And we say, how could you do this to me? Why me, Lord? Like, I sometimes think, is there a big arrow in the sky that just goes, like, on Glenda's head, you know, like... <laughs> I'm not joking. (laughs) Um, Sometimes, um, so I I, I think you guys know I'm a a psychologist, and when I'm listening to some people's problems, um, and I think think I'm going to come up with a new form of therapy. I'm going to tell you how bad my life is. And then maybe you'll you'll change your mind. So there was an occasion, this is going back a long time, um, I had just had a cancer diagnosis, and I'd also done something really stupid. I'd got to my office and I'd left the keys behind for the office. So instead of going, I'm sorry, I can't see these clients this afternoon, I think, how am I going to get in? Um, and there's a fence and... Um, So I think, okay, I've got the keys for the actual inner side office, so as long as I can get over this fence, um, I'll be fine. So I look carefully and I think, where's the best place to climb? It's got little spikes on the top of the, the fence and I'm wearing a skirt and I've got my bag and my, so I put the bag and the shoes and all that through the fence, then I try and climb up on the fence and at that moment, my skirt gets stuck. So now I'm trying to undo my skirt and I fell forward now I'm dangling upside down on the fence and I hit my head on the, 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 the metal thing. So now I'm bleeding all over the place and I'm stuck. So, I mean, it must have looked really funny, but then this little old lady comes by with a dog and says, like, can I help you, my dear? So I says, well, just help me pull my skirt. So I've been landed inside. Then I get my shopping bag that's in my other handbag and I put it on my head because now I'm bleeding everywhere. And I'd try and get the keys out and all that. And then eventually I had to go to the hospital and get surgery and whatever. But I just thought, when those clients arrived, they came for couple therapy. There is your therapist <laughs> dangling upside down, bleeding on the fence. And you go, actually, we're fine. <laughs> Sorry, so. Anyway, so yeah, why me, Lord? You know, this big arrow. And where were you when this was happening? And if you are so powerful, like, why did you let this happen? I mean, surely if you are God, couldn't you just have stopped that happening? What did Jesus do? He woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still, just like he was talking to a naughty child. Now we're talking about hurricane force winds. We're talking about waves. We're talking about life and death situation. And Jesus just goes, be quiet, stay quiet. And it does. The wind goes away. The water becomes absolutely still. It's not like it just was a little bit less. It was absolutely calm. And then he looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now remember, the disciples had seen Jesus perform other miracles. He'd healed people, he'd uh, sent out demons, whatever, and they still didn't get it. And he's saying, don't you know that I can do this? I am more powerful than anything that you could ever have to face. And the disciples' response is that they're even more afraid now than they were of the storm. They are really terrified. They were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, in ancient cultures, storms and wind were seen as being huge, uncontrollable forces, often of gods. And and so when... This man says, Be still, and nature listens to him. They are going, Jesus must be God. And that was a realization for them that they were in the very presence of God. They had hoped that Jesus would be a political leader and help them get rid of the Romans and whatever. And this realization is that we are with God and they were more overwhelmed than they'd ever been. So it was very, very clear to them that Jesus was God. He had calmed the storm from violent winds to absolutely calm. He did it himself, he didn't say in the name of God or conjure up, he didn't have to have a wand and make a spell, he just said very calmly and clearly to the storm to be quiet. And only God could do that. So the disciples experienced firsthand the infinite power of God, and it was more overwhelming and more powerful than any storm. So what is the point of this story in the Bible for us? Jesus is God. We know that. It's evidence for us. He is more powerful than any storm or war or crisis that we could ever experience. His power is incomparable. Nothing compares to you, Lord. He can be trusted, even when we feel overwhelmed and scared. We know, we have evidence, we have seen that God is always faithful, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. And his power is very real. It's not a story this was an hour witness account. It happened. The other thing about this power is that it's so big that it's actually uncontrollable. And we often want to control God. We want to tell him what we need. We want to tell him what to do. We don't understand when he doesn't do what we want. So it's so big that we often can't get our heads around it. We may not understand his power or his decisions, but we can trust him and rely on him. I heard a debate years ago, um, which it was between an atheist and a Christian. And the atheist says, now tell me how much brain power do you have? And the Christian said, well, you know, 0.00 something percent. So he said, are you telling me that with such a small amount of world knowledge that you can tell me that there's definitely a God? And the Christian said, well, can you tell me with 0.00% that there definitely isn't one? Um, and then the, the atheist said what if you die and you go to heaven and there is no God so the Christian said well I would have lived a good life I wouldn't have any regrets I would have been happy with my life but he said to the atheist my friend tell me what will you do if you die and you find out there is one and that was years and years ago that I heard that debate and I've never forgotten that And we really need to understand the awesomeness of God. The other thing that this passage sort of became another layer to it, it really gives us a much deeper truth about the gospel. Jesus is often spoken of as the real Jonah, the true Jonah. There are lots of similarities between the story of Jesus and Jonah. But Jesus is sacrificed he dies, he rises from the dead to calm the storm of God's wrath and judgment. That's the ultimate storm that we have to face. Jesus did not abandon us in that moment. He didn't leave us to have to cope with the waves, the storm of the waves of sin and death and eternal justice. He was there, saving us and calming that storm. We would all have perished in that storm. Undoubtedly, none of us were without, are without sin. And Jesus went through that storm to save us and to give God a reason not to damn us forever. So Jesus can be trusted to save us for eternity. And certainly he can then be trusted to save us in the smaller storms that we face every day. Jesus is worthy of our faith. We can trust him always and with everything, from eternal life to those small, defaultal details. And he has the authority over everything, nature, demons, Satan, sickness, death, sin. Jesus is all-powerful. So let's have a look at your storm again. Think about what you identified as the storm If it was in the past, did God come through for you? Were you rescued? What did you learn from that? If your storm is now and you're going through it at the moment, go to Jesus. Not with accusations, fear, and anger, but with confidence, praise, and trust that he will be with you. He's going to guide you. He's going to teach and disciple you through the storm and he will save you. And this is reinforced in the promise of Romans 8. And there are many other scriptures that back this up. So maybe in the next week in your quiet times, you could find some more evidence that Jesus promises to always be there for us. So Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that for those who love God, not just for everybody, but for those who love God, All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then later in Romans 8, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So let us pray, praise, worship, trust and obey him in all situations. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Can we pray together? Dear Lord, Thank you for your power and your love. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving us from the judgment of God, even though we didn't deserve it. Holy Spirit, please help us to trust and obey, especially when we do not understand and are filled with fear and anxiety. Lord, thank you for being all-seeing, all-knowing, and ultimately wise that we can trust you and do not need to rely on our own understanding. Please be with us as we face life's storms, those that happen around us, and those within our hearts and minds. And God, please fill us and calm us with your peace, and work miracles in our lives to your honor, glory, and praise. Amen.